Moscow, the foreign minister. And how about that? We are on the air. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, hope you're all doing well. Happy Easter, everybody. We uh, are having some technical trouble this weekend, according to my Gettner being really low. So we're going to work with this, and we'll be able to do the show tonight. But first, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful radio station. Bless all the listeners supporters. Thank you for dying on the cross and racing to those of us who believe you have eternal life. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's Dwayne. Welcome to Classics and Curios in a celebration of Resurrection Day Sunday.
ties are renewed and strengthened. This year, more than ever, the real fundamental things in our life stand out from the trivial and inconsequential. The Christmas service at church has more meaning. The old words, freedom, equality, tolerance, character, take on new values. And most of all, we realize the importance in our lives of the people we like most. Some of us, just as some of you, are fortunate to have our families with us this Christmas. Some of us, just as some of you, have folks in army camps, on ships, or on foreign shores. But this Christmas, there is a greater appreciation of family ties, of friends, than in the past 24 years. We think of you as friends of ours. And as such, Amos and Andy and I, and the makers of Campbell's Soups, wish you, with special warmth and meaning, a Merry Christmas. person will return to you tomorrow at this same hour. This is Bill Hay speaking for Campbell Soup, bidding you all good night. And inviting you to stay tuned in for Lanny Roth, who follows immediately on this station. May 31? No, May 1st. And now, Dick Tracy! 
the case of the empty safe, stand by for action. Let's go, men. Yes, it's Dick Tracy, protector of law and order. Here's a special news bulletin. New York. The British Broadcasting Company has just reported that Adolf Hitler died of a stroke at the Reich Chancellery in the heart of Berlin, Berlin. The German radio at Hamburg, a few minutes earlier, simply stated that he had died at his command post, quote, fighting up to his last breath against Bolshevism. The German radio then added that Admiral Karl Dönitz, the former commander of the Nazi Navy, had been appointed as Hitler's successor and had pledged himself to carry on the fight against the British, Americans, and Russians. Hamburg said significantly that Hitler had appointed Dönitz as his successor yesterday, Monday. Blue Network monitors have heard the BBC state in the past few minutes that Admiral Dönitz made the announcement personally over the Bremen radio in northern Germany, indicating that the fight would be directed from the north. Only last week, the most prominent Nazi military commentator surrendering to the American Ninth Army said Hitler's death would mean the end of German resistance. We emphasize, however, there has been no allied confirmation of the German story of Hitler's passing. This bulletin came from our New York newsroom. And now, Dick Tracy. In yesterday's story, you saw how the evidence began to pile up, making... Now, what's all this about? I thought we were going to the next place and see if we could pick up Spike's tail. We don't have to go to the next place. Spike and the girl are in the house we just left. What? That's right. Well, tell me, how do you figure that out? While I was talking to the farmer, he tipped me with a wink. They're there, all right, Pat. But why didn't he say so? Probably Spike or the girl was holding a gun on him. I can't be sure of that, but mark my words, they're in there, all right, and we have to get them out. Now, let's keep undercover and get back to the car. I want to contact all the other cars and have them block off every path or road in this area. This time, we're not going to miss. In a moment, we return to Dick Tracy. But first... Boys and girls, Dick Tracy fans, you know, teamwork in everything we do is very important. And no one knows it better than the soldiers in our combat ground forces. Men like First Sergeant Marion Hitchens, for instance. While he was manning an anti-aircraft gun in the Admiralty Islands, Japanese ground troops opened up nearby on American soldiers with heavy grenade and small arms fire. Under heavy fire, Sergeant Hitchens dashed to a machine gun and single-handedly placed heavy and accurate fire on the Japs. In addition to killing at least 12, he helped stop the enemy attack. Now, boys and girls, that's teamwork where it counts, where a man thinks only of his buddies and not of himself. Every one of our servicemen belonged to the same fighting team. And every one of us here at home who buys a war bond joins that team. We don't have to worry about Jap bullets or grenades, and our job at home is much the easiest of all. We've only got to buy more bonds and keep them so that the fighting members of our team never have to let up for the lack of a single gun or bullet. So boys and girls, do your bit for the team. Buy that war bond today. And now back to the trading. You, farmer, get back in here. I'll let you have it with your own gun. You sure you didn't tip them off? He couldn't, Spike. I heard every word he said. Anyhow, they've gone off. Okay. But if they come back, this guy gets it with his shotgun. Quietly making their way back to their car, Dick and Pat began contacting all the patrol cars and giving them instructions. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for the adventures of Dick Tracy. This is George Gunn speaking.
Boys and girls, every day, thousands and thousands of new friends join the ranks of fans who faithfully follow the adventures of Dick Tracy and Pat Patton. We don't mean just youngsters either. No, indeed, there are plenty of grown-ups who are listening in, too. And did you know this? All over America, and in other countries as well, more than 200 newspapers feature the daily adventures of Dick and Pat. And each weekday, another episode of Dick Tracy, one of your favorite radio broadcasts, comes to you at the same time over more than 100 radio stations from coast to coast. So listen to Dick Tracy Monday through Friday. Don't miss tomorrow's exciting chapter in the adventures of Dick Tracy. This is the Blue Network of the American Broadcasting Company. And now, Dick Tracy! started saving for that war bond yet. As you know, this month is the big seventh war loan drive. Now, maybe buying bonds isn't exactly a glamorous job, but few bo- uh, jobs are, especially the kind of jobs that the guys in the infantry have. Take Corporal John Orcutt, for instance. He was on the Siegfried line, and his job was repairing brakes and wire lines to see the communication service was maintained. During seven hard weeks of fighting there, Corporal Orcutt constantly braved enemy fire to fix broken telephone wires. And more than once, he lifted his carbine and picked off a few German snipers before returning to his repair job. Almost every move that he made was in the open, under steady fire. Corporal Orchid did his job and later was awarded the Bronze Star Medal. Are we here at home doing our job, buying war bonds and stamps? Remember that the war in Europe is over, but the war in the Pacific is still going on. It costs plenty of money. Uncle Sam will need just as much this year as he did last year. Money that we lend him with our purchases of war bonds and stamps. And now, Dick Tracy. In yesterday's story, Dick and Pat did their best to learn all about the neighborhood that had been terrorized by a gang of young hoodlums who called themselves the Nighthawks. Finally calling on Dick's old friend, Mike Flanagan, they learned of conditions that were mighty serious and made arrangements through Flanagan to meet a couple of the boys who had been victims of the gang, hoping that this interview might also explain the reason why the boys no longer went to their boys' club run by Ronald Framer. Today we find Dick Patton Jr. in their car. Tracy is explaining to Jr. some of the facts of the case. Listen. Hey, you see, Jr., Pat and I went to see Mike last night, and it's through him we'll be able to meet these boys. Uh, apparently, they're friends of his. That's right. He said they'd like to come in and have him tell them stories. Sounds like quite a man. Now, he is, Jr., one of the finest men I've ever met. And he's lived in the same house since long before the days of the automobile. But these Nighthawks that you mentioned... What sort of boys are they? Are they about as old as I am? Oh, I'm not sure, Junior. That's one of the things I want to clear up tonight. I thought I'd have you with us so the boys would feel a little more at ease. You want me to ask him any special questions? No, I don't think that'll be necessary. Uh, Dick Problems. You'll know tomorrow, so tune in again, same time, same station, for The Adventures of Dick Tracy, directed by Wiley Adams. And this is George Gunn speaking. Boys and girls every day, thousands and thousands of new friends join the ranks of fans who faithfully follow the adventures of Dick Tracy and Pat Patton. We don't mean just youngsters either. No, indeed, there are plenty of grown-ups who are listening in, too. And did you know this? All over America, and in other countries as well, more than 200 newspapers feature the daily adventures of Dick and Pat. And each weekday, another episode of Dick Tracy, one of your favorite radio broadcasts, 
comes to you at the same time over more than 100 radio stations from coast to coast. So listen to Dick Tracy Monday through Friday. Don't miss tomorrow's chapter. Listen to Dick Tracy on the Trail of the Nighthawks. This is the Blue Network of the American Broadcasting Company. We're about seven minutes behind schedule. Next is the Radio Historical Association Call Around, their monthly show. Take it away, guys. Hope you enjoy. Patricia and I will be on after this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for OTR from the Rockies. From the foot of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, here's a program capturing the drama and fun of the golden days of broadcasting. Old-time radio from the Rockies. Hello, this is Fred Hobbs. I'm speaking to you from the radio studios of RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. And we're here to bring you interviews, historical information, book reviews, events, and fun for all on old-time radio, especially related to the Rocky Mountain region because that's where we're located. This time, our entire broadcast of old-time radio from the Rockies is devoted to one of the most famous, popular, and truly original shows of the golden age of radio, as well as a staple of 1950s television. It was widely mimicked and spoofed, and was even featured in two Hollywood movies. We'll find out all about it, but first, we turn to our OTR colleague, Bill McCracken, with some words about... uh, the catalogs that uh, they have to uh, be able to access a great variety of vintage radio uh, programs from the library of the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. So what's current in that department, Bill? Well, what we're adding this time are new additions to our CD library. Uh, Not the tape library this time, but the CD library. And our newest uh, listings will include... Uh, the end of a series that was started some months ago called Dangerous Assignment with Brian Donlevy. So it'll cover the last year or so of that program along. everybody, it is Sunday, uh, April the 24th, year 2011, I'm Wong Hughes, hope you're all doing really well on this wonderful day that the Lord has made, who has risen today, and that's what we celebrate, is his, his coming back to life, and ready from the dead, and those of us who believe in him will have eternal life. Let's say a prayer, dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful Easter time of the year, Bless all our listeners and supporters of the station. Thank you for dying for our sins and those of us who believe in you have eternal life. Bless the country and the world, Lord. Help those who are going through terrible crimes 
of uh, problems like health or sickness or financial difficulties or emotional relationship at this time. Help feed the homeless and take care of uh, the people who need you. Which is all of us. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start off and playing two Easter shows. Uh, first one is the classic that I love to playing this time of the year. It's the Great Grocery Show from April 9th, 1952. Here we go. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, makers of Velveeta, the famous pasteurized processed cheese food that tastes so good and is so good for you. Yes, Velveeta is another of the Kraft family of fine foods. Foods you can depend on for delicious eating, for wholesome, healthy eating. So remember, to get the cheese food of quality, get Velveeta, the cheese food that's made by Kraft. Down in Summerfield, it's the day before Easter, and the great Gildersleeve's family is making elaborate preparations for the occasion. Marjorie has selected a new Easter outfit, Leroy has a new suit, and they've resolved to do something different this year, attend the Easter sunrise service. Of course, the great Gildersleeve hasn't heard about these early morning plans. It's something I've always wanted to do, Leroy. Yeah, it'll be keen. Boy, I can't wait to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Let's go talk to Auntie. Auntie! Hey, Uncle, where are you? In the den, children. Are we interrupting any... The Great Gildersleeve is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by John Elliott and Andy White and is partially transcribed. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Mary Lee Robb, Lillian Randolph, William Sobronsky, Gene Bates, Earl Ross, and Dick Legrand. Musical compositions by Jack Meekin. This is John Heaston saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. There are two kinds of delicious Kraft-prepared mustard. Mild Kraft mustard, smooth and delicately spiced, and Kraft mustard with snappy horseradish added. And whichever you prefer, remember, when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Try it on cold sandwiches, hamburgers, frankfurters, and cold cuts. Enjoy the wonderful sauces you can make for hot meat and vegetable courses with Kraft-prepared mustard. Keep both kinds on hand and keep the whole family happy. Get mild Kraft mustard and Kraft mustard with snappy horseradish added at your favorite food store. Next, Groucho Marx presents You Bet Your Life on NBC. Eight o'clock here on the West Coast. Easter, happy Easter, everybody. Let's move to 1949 on this date, April 24th, 1949. Ozzy and Harriet. Thanks for calling back. I'll tell you why I phoned. I just received a letter and I want to read it to you. Are you listening? 
It says, Dear Radio Friend, that's me, we have received so many wonderful letters requesting us to repeat our Easter show that we are going to do it. Wishing you a happy Easter, your good friends, the Nelson family. Ozzy and Harriet, David and Ricky. How do you like my new Easter outfit? Oh, Harriet, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Do I look nice enough to make a pretty speech? You look nice enough for anything. America's finest silver plate is 1847 Rogers Brothers. America's finest silver plate is 1847 Rogers Brothers. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of 1847 Rogers Brothers Silver Plate, presents the amusingly transcribed adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. Another year, another Easter, with its joyful reaffirmation of man's hope, its traditions, observances, and customs. Like many other families, the Nelsons of 1847 Rogers Road have a few traditional Easter customs of their own. For instance, some years ago, on the night before Easter, Harriet remarked, You know, Easter sunrise services must be beautiful. I'd love to go sometime. Thus, a great tradition was established in the Nelson household. In fact, last night wouldn't have seemed like the night before Easter if Harriet hadn't remarked, You know, Easter sunrise services must be beautiful. I'd love to go sometime. Why don't we go tomorrow, Mom? We can get up. Sure, we can get up. Well, I know your boys can get up. Well, the only reasons we haven't made it in the past is because we haven't gone to bed early the night before. Nothing difficult about getting up early if you get plenty of sleep. Can we go tomorrow, Mom? All right, we'll try it again. But I wonder if, well, Ricky's had the sniffles all day, and you know how cold it is at that time of morning, sitting outdoors on those benches. I'll put on two pairs of socks. <laughs> I think it'd be a better idea if you bring along that heavy lap robe, and you guys could wrap yourselves up in it. Well, that's fine, dear, but where is the lap robe? I haven't seen it since before Christmas. Well, wait a minute now. Didn't Thorny borrow it? It seems to me he did. I'll go over a little later and ask him. We're liable to get hungry out there, too. Maybe I ought to fix something to eat. Yeah, that's a good idea. Some hot coffee and sandwiches. Maybe some deviled eggs or something. Oh, Pop, they won't let you bring those in. They won't let us bring what in? Deviled eggs at a church service. <laughs> well, I think maybe we can get by with it. You can bring some angels.